This is The Guardian. Today, how alleged sexual misconduct at the CBI, the voice of British business, has been exposed in a Guardian investigation. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. A warning before we start. This episode does contain references to sexual violence. In July 2019... Through the intense heat of that summer's Brexit negotiations, the Confederation of British Industry, the CBI, one of the most influential organisations in Britain, set out to host a private party on a boat. You're going back into one of the crunchiest moments in the relationship between business and government. Everyone was often working round the clock, very late, But alongside that working hard culture, there also seems to be an atmosphere of playing hard. So you've got a lot of people who have been dealing with the cut and thrust of Westminster and Whitehall. They gather together, more than 100 invites go out. They're gathering together on a boat in the Thames. I know the day it took place was pretty overcast to start with, but the sun starts breaking through in the evening. Everyone's sipping cheap Prosecco. And then... As the hours go on, the atmosphere changes a bit and people start drinking more heavily. It got raucous on deck. Loud music, even heavier drinking, with reports that some people were taking cocaine. You add into this mix this warm summer party, the alcohol, the drugs, an atmosphere where some senior male figures and some junior female staff come together and those senior male figures take advantage of some of those female staff. These nooks and crannies, particularly the the bathrooms, very unfortunately take centre stage and the night begins to unravel. What happened that evening, and beyond, has been investigated by The Guardian's Anna Isaac. She has revealed allegations of sexual assaults, of widespread misogyny, and a toxic, sexist culture at the heart of big business in Britain. From The Guardian, I'm Nashin Iqbal. Today in Focus, how allegations of sexual violence and misogyny threatened the very survival of the CBI. Anna Isaac, you're The Guardian's city editor, and you broke your first story about something going very badly wrong at the CBI, which is the Confederation of British Industry back in early March. 
Can you tell me where that reporting began for you and how you came across the story? Yeah, so I'd heard rumours over the years, as is often the case with how stories like this start. You might hear snippets here or there. People tell you that there might be something to look at. But I got what I'd call a formal approach from a source earlier this year, quite a few weeks before we published. And then that's when I started to pursue the story. And it started what I can only call was a bit of a snowball effect, where bit by bit, more people started approaching me, sharing their experiences. And it's been one of the most unusual stories I've covered in the sense that I've rarely had so many people proactively approach me and The Guardian wanting to share what's happened to them because they see this as a as a moment to try and really lay out what has been a big cultural problem at this organisation. Anna, what did you uncover in that first piece? So the first piece we published back in very early March this year was allegations about the conduct to do with the Director General, Tony Danker. So Tony Danker came to the CBI. He started in November 2020 at the organisation. The CBI's very own Mr Growth, our Director General, Tony Danker. My name is Tony Danker and I'm really honoured to be the new Director General of the CBI. This is a really exciting opportunity for me at a really important time for the country. And so, to be honest, it was a no-brainer when asked to do this role. Uh, prior to that, he was at a different business lobbying group called Be The Business. And prior to that, he also spent many years at The Guardian News and Media, the parent company for our newspaper, working on strategy and a range of other management issues. He's a very prominent figure. You'll often hear him on news bulletins. He's often the first out of the tracks to comment on things like well, the look, budget. The test that everyone's been talking about for the last week is whether or not the government is basically being fiscally responsible. I think there's another So a really big figurehead in a British industry. And it was about not only allegations about his conduct, but also how those allegations had been handled by the lobby group. There was one allegation in particular where The Guardian understood that there'd been a formal complaint against him in January and his behaviour, unwanted contact, had amounted to what the individual considered to be sexual harassment. But that wasn't the first complaint about his conduct. One of the concerns that had been raised was his use of Instagram. What seemed to be happening, according to the allegations, is that Tony Danker was proactively searching for individuals because he wasn't following them and then viewing their Instagram stories on a very regular basis. We've also reported on a karaoke party where it seems some select individuals were invited to a private party at Lucky Voice in Soho, which is a karaoke bar, after an official CBI Christmas party, and an invite was sent from Tony Danker's personal email address. You also had concerns being raised over the level of interest in certain individuals going beyond what you might normally expect from a boss and that involving things such as personal invites to private lunches, dinners, having a lot of direct contact with people that wasn't necessarily strictly required for work purposes. All of those things on their own might form a particular kind of conduct that wouldn't necessarily cause alarm together, along with some other allegations, started to to form some material concerns. And how did the CBI respond to the allegations made against Tony Danker, their director general? So I think it would be fair to say that the way the CBI has responded to different allegations, um, 
particularly to, to those related to Mr. Danker, have sort of evolved over time. So their initial response, along with Mr. Danker's, was to, after we reached out to them, for Mr. Danker to go on leave, paid leave, and then for this independent investigation by the law firm Fox Williams to go ahead. Um, but for the first time, I think, earlier this week, they put out a public statement that said, we acknowledge that we seem to have a cultural problem. Although, of course, that relates to allegations that are entirely separate to those about um, Tony Danker, the Director General. And the the very clear shift that we've had this week is that he is no longer on paid leave uh, and Tony Danker has been asked to step down. He was dismissed with immediate effect. He said that he was very shocked by the announcement and um, that he had expected to be able to present his position and that he felt that many of the allegations against him had been distorted. So I think it's fair to say that from from his statement, he feels that he hasn't received um, fair treatment from um, his employer, the CBI, um, and this independent um, investigation. Anna, since your initial reporting, as you said, there have been further, completely separate allegations made in The Guardian about the conduct of other people working at the CBI before Tony Danker became Director General, including one very serious claim. Anna, can you tell me what happened? Yes, so as you say, it's incredibly serious. An individual came to me and they shared with us that they had been raped and that this happened at an official CBI event, which was a summer boat party in 2019 on the Thames, the the river in London. They laid out sort of how that had happened to them and their experience, they allege, of, of how the CBI handled the aftermath. They shared it with a senior manager and then they found that that manager, rather than advising them to, for instance, escalate the complaint, because let's bear in mind their allegation is that they were raped by a colleague. Um, so they went to a senior manager. They said, this terrible thing has happened to me. What do you think our next step should be? And this individual, they say, advised them to seek out some emotional support, to seek out some counselling, rather than to pursue it either as a formal HR complaint or to elevate it to a police complaint. Anna, you interviewed the woman who said that she was raped. How did the ordeal and reporting it to the CBI leave her feeling? I think what one has to bear in mind from the point of this individual is that they had to summon up every little bit of courage they had when they were already in a highly traumatised state to go and speak to one of their bosses, a manager at the CBI, and tell them their account of what had happened, this allegation of rape. And it's fair to say that the interaction didn't go as they hoped and it sort of fractured something inside them. From their point of view, the emphasis wasn't on them and the experience they were relaying to the manager and the state of trauma that they were in. Instead, their experience was that the manager said, you know, what about this other person? Have you considered what the impact could be on their life, their family? Could you even be sure it was rape? And this individual had really thought about those questions. They were very, very clear in their own mind and their retelling of it that it was a violent assault on them and it was rape. And so for them, 
for it not to be treated even as a formal complaint by this manager or encouraged to go to the police, which is what they had expected, that it would be immediately a formal complaint, that they would then be supported through a process of making a police complaint. They just felt devastated. They felt like they'd lost the confidence required to go through that police process, which, as a lot of women will be aware, can be very challenging. Anna, it can't have been easy for that person to then come forward to you when they're already feeling vulnerable and lacking in trust. How did you come to understand what had gone on? So this individual has described to us this very challenging experience they had engaging with their manager. But as ever as journalists, we've got to try and substantiate every allegation that's put to us and that we might put in a report. And what we did have with this incident was we'd seen WhatsApp messages between them and the manager that they described reporting the rape to. So that is effectively a sort of a contemporary piece of evidence that shows that they did try and report this allegation. The CBI, I should add, have said that they don't have any evidence of this allegation. So it may be that the manager then didn't escalate it or the institution itself wasn't made aware in a formal way. But we are clear that, you know, there is some credibility to this account. We also know that the seriousness of this issue means that it is part of the independent investigation The alleged rape forms part of that. But what the CBI says is that it's unable to comment or take action on the WhatsApp messages and the alleged failure of a manager to report the allegation of rape without the information The Guardian says it has seen. So from their point of view, they're saying they don't have evidence that means that they can act on that specific allegation at this time. Anna, quite shockingly, This wasn't the only serious claim to emerge from that party that very night. Can you tell me what else happened? So in addition to the allegation of rape, there was another allegation made that evening that sources have described to us of an attempted sexual assault. And I think what's important to understand is not necessarily that these are just two allegations in isolation, but rather that there was an environment at this party that's similar to the environment we've heard described about other official CBI events, in which two separate sets of individuals can have had this experience on the same evening. Alongside the um, allegation of attempted sexual assault, there's also been allegations of widespread use of a Class A drug, cocaine, And generally, the description from sources of that event in July is that it was very raucous. And at certain points, it visibly seemed to sort of get out of hand. There is one important distinction that we need to make, though, which is when we're talking about sort of how the CBI management may have handled different things, it does seem that different people may have had different experiences based on which manager was dealing with which complaint. So sources familiar with the allegation of attempted sexual assault said that it was actually handled pretty swiftly, pretty effectively by the CBI. The person who was accused of, of, of trying to assault someone no longer works at the CBI. And the difference, it seems, may have been the fact that this complaint made it all the way to Carolyn Fairburn, who was then the first female uh, director general of the CBI, And that as she was personally made aware of it, it may have been handled differently. And in her statement to us, 
She said that she took a zero tolerance approach to any complaints that were made to her. And what else did your reporting reveal? And what does it tell you about the culture that seemed to develop at the CBI? There's a real range of experiences here. So we've described experiences of attempted natural, very serious sexual assault. But there's also been, throughout the course of our reporting, we've discovered really explicit images. We've seen um, very extraordinary images sent um, by a senior uh, manager to junior staff not the sort of thing that you would expect to receive from someone that's effectively a boss at an organisation. We've reported out that a former board member, while they held that role at the CBI, so right up in the top of its management, made remarks about people's physical appearance that they found to be sexist and, and inappropriate, made them uncomfortable, and also allegedly grabbed someone's bottom, although that former board member does deny that they did that taken together that paints a picture where a lot of women feel that they just weren't safe quite simply that they wanted to go to work events because it's part of getting to know people it's part of if you want to do well at work but th these lines were crossed again and again the gravity of what happened to some women in some instances is huge but a big part of why they've shared their allegations with The Guardian is because they want to illustrate that they're not the only ones, that this was a scenario in which lots of people experienced behaviour that made them feel unsafe in the workplace and inhibited their ability to do their jobs to the best of their ability. Anna, from everything you said... It might be easy to believe that the CBI is not a serious organisation and that it's some sort of fringe dinosaur outfit operating in an entirely different century. But that's just not the case. Can you explain what the CBI is and why it's so influential? The CBI is one of the most powerful lobbying outfits in the UK. It calls itself the voice of business and it certainly has the ear of government. Um, so... The people running the CBI will have access in Whitehall, um, Downing Street at all levels. They're able to have meetings with ministers. They're able to influence the policy agenda of the day because they are regarded as being this mouthpiece for many of the biggest businesses in the UK. So if you were to look at their membership list, you would see some of the most famous businesses in Britain, the like of Asda, Tesco, the likes of Rolls-Royce. You know, these are household names that through their membership with the CBI invest their power in it to speak on behalf of all of them. The CBI is meant to also and advertises its membership on the basis for setting the tone. So what does a good business look like in the UK? The CBI is meant to help you work that out. So if you have a problem there, there's a potential risk of drip feed of not living up to those values of what we think a good business should be in the UK, the public as a whole. And that's what made the public interest for this story, this line of reporting, so important because you might not think the CBI is relevant to you, but actually there's probably something in your handbag, in your rucksack, the train you got to work, where the tone it sets in terms of corporate governance has fed through to your daily experience it will affect your life in some way, even if you don't realise it. Anna, you cover the city. 
London's financial district where the CBI is based. And for many decades, we've become familiar with finance being synonymous with stories of the very worst excesses, you know, rampant misogyny, drug taking, big spending. And I don't think that we could possibly be living in this sort of Wolf of Wall Street style era now. But how much have things really changed? I think we've had a generation of modernizers in the city. We've certainly had a lot of very serious women that have set out with a, an acute determination to change things for the next generations that follow. I think the reality is, is that while there has been progress in lots of ways, so you see female bosses in a way that you just simply didn't before, is that you can't just do it with figureheads. So you might have the most right on empowered female boss or you might have several people that are at a middle or higher management level who are really dedicated to changing a culture but the thing about culture particularly around areas like sexual harassment or sexual assault is that they are hidden insidious problems and it can be hard to know if you have those problems in your organization in fact you almost have to proactively look for those problems to make sure that they don't exist or they're being dealt with appropriately. I would say there is so much more progress that needs to be made and the CBI is meant to be leading the charge on that. So we we do need to consider, you know, where does the city go next in terms of trying to change its cultures across the board? Well, from the outside... To some people, it might have looked like the CBI had actually really nailed this because almost half of the organization's senior leadership is made up of women. And yet, as the claim suggests, and I quote, a toxic culture of misogyny and unchecked misconduct at the CBI was still able to flourish. I think organisations, and I'm talking in general now, I'm not talking about the CBI in particular because that's a really tricky question to answer just on their own terms, but I think organisations might not have the right climate for people to speak out who feel that they can say, hang on, we've got a problem here. So you can have an organisation with many good-hearted, principled individuals who collectively have a cultural issue, either because, for instance, an HR function isn't working or because a whistleblowing function isn't working. The whole thing has to act as one to deal with cultural issues. I mean, we even had in one of our reports people saying, you know, there are a lot of good men at the CBI. You know, a source said that to us. We quoted it in a story. So there are some. there have been some good men at all levels of the CBI. But the issue is, is, is that the experience that everyone has or do you have an underbelly where you have experiences that aren't dealt with with due process made a priority and if you don't have that you just have goodwill and often goodwill is not enough coming up the fallout from anna's investigation and whether the cbi will survive it Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. 
And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Anna, one of the main actions taken by the CBI in the wake of these allegations was to set up, as we've discussed, an independent investigation. Can you tell me more about the way it's conducting its investigation? It's good to think of it in two chunks. So it had phase one, which was to look at the allegations about Tony Danker. It shared a report on its findings with the CBI's board just before Easter. We've now seen the board has taken action on the basis of that phase one report from the law firm and decided to dismiss Tony Danker. Now the investigation effectively moves into a different phase where it's looking at these other allegations that span several years and include some of the most serious allegations, including the alleged rape. We now also know that there's an extra element, which is the City of London police who are responsible for law enforcement within the financial district of London, they are now looking into some of these allegations and we understand that the law firm and the CBI, they are cooperating with with the police. Anna, since the beginning of this, there's been a huge impact that your reporting has had. I mean, this week has seen the dismissal of Tony Danker and there's also been major repercussions for the CBI since you've been reporting out your story. Can you tell me a bit about those and what's been going on? The CBI, as a lobbying group, sells itself on and has a very close relationship with government. And what the government has come out and said is that it's pausing its relations with the CBI until the outcome of the Fox William investigation as a whole. So not just that chunk which related to Tony Danker, but in relation to all of the allegations Um, That's a very big thing for the government to have done because those forms of engagement are very important, but they feel that it's not appropriate 
to continue to have such a close relationship with the CBI while these significant questions over culture and specific allegations are left unanswered. And what about those members who pay those significant sums to be represented by the CBI? There's about 190,000 of them. Have there been any public statements from these businesses about the allegations and the crisis the CBI faces? Yes, you can't underestimate the importance of the membership to the CBI. It is a membership organisation, 22 million out of the 25 million it reported in income in its latest set of accounts as a non-profit came from its membership. So they are its lifeblood. You've had specific members such as Adnams, which is a beer making member. It's a brewery and business. And it said that it had had conversations about whether or not it was going to continue its membership. That reflects a lot of off record conversations I've had with um, some business leaders about their business's membership of the CBI. You've also had concerns raised publicly by, for instance, Marks and Spencers, who have written to the CBI expressing their deep concern at the situation, and Rolls-Royce, who have publicly said that they're very concerned about the situation. And finally, given all of that and everything that you've told me, Do you think it's possible that the organisation will survive? I mean, it's obviously facing an existential crisis right now, but can it claw back the trust? And what might happen next? As a reporter, I'm always loath to predict the future, if that sort of brings me out in hives. I think what's important to understand, making an analytical point, weighing up everything I've heard, everyone I'm talking to, all of the processes that are ongoing is that right now we can say with a high degree of certainty, this is a real crunch moment for the CBI. Crunch moment can sound like a cliche, but I use it because it's another way to say this is potentially existential. I think that's a fair assessment of all of the different factors at play just now. What will be incredibly important going forward is whether it's new leadership. They've very quickly appointed um, Rain Newton-Smith, their former chief economist who was at the CBI for the best part of a decade previously, to take forward um, the leadership as its, as its new director general. And what will be important is it's got three key constituencies, really. It's membership, it's staff and government. And it has to win over all three of those if it's going to survive. And it has to do that very fast. So going forward, there's, there's one key metric in town and it will be confidence. And can it win it back? Anna, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was The Guardian's city editor, Anna Isaac. You can read all her reporting on the CBI and more at theguardian.com forward slash profile forward slash Anna hyphen Isaac. The CBI said in a statement on Tuesday, Tony Danker is dismissed with immediate effect following the independent investigation into specific complaints of workplace misconduct against him. The board wishes to make clear he is not the subject of any of the more recent allegations in The Guardian, but has determined that his own conduct fell short of that expected of the Director General. The CBI has suspended three members of staff and appointed a board member to oversee what it said would be a root and branch review of its culture. The CBI also said, It is already clear to all of us that there have been serious failings in how we have acted as an organisation. We apologise to the victims of this organisational failure, including those impacted by the revulsion we have felt at hearing their stories. Nobody should feel unsafe in their workplace. 
If you have been affected by some of the issues discussed in today's podcast and are based in the UK, you can get in touch with Rape Crisis via their website, rapecrisis.org.uk, or on their national helpline, 0808 802 9999. The Samaritans are available in the UK 24 hours a day on 116 123 or by emailing joe at samaritans.org. Before you go, I would urge you to listen to The Guardian's new podcast, Cotton Capital, which traces the newspaper's links to transatlantic slavery. In the second episode, which has come out this week, our colleague Maya Wolf-Robinson goes to Jamaica to what was once a sugar plantation owned by The Guardian's founder, Sir George Phillips. You can find Cotton Capital wherever you found this episode. And that's it for today. I'm Noshi Nekbal, and this episode was produced by Natalie Khatana. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Elizabeth Cassin. We'll be back on Monday. This is The Guardian. <laughs>